Right then. Hello and welcome to episode two of series two of the Golf Shake podcast. My name is Ryan Rastel, PGA professional based at Howley Hall Golf Club here in sunny Leeds. Joining me today again is Stowmarket Golf Club's very own Matt Holbrook. Matt, how are you? Uh, I'm very good, thanks, Ryan. How are you? I'm not too bad, not too bad, apart from the weather, Matt. How cold is it? It's ranking it. It's uh, it was two oh, degrees, no minus minus four when I left at eight o'clock this morning to go to work. Yeah, not good. I mean, we had uh, our first snow of the year the other day in Leeds, and yeah, very cold. And to be honest, this week just looks freezing. Well, freezing is below freezing every day. It was minus four this morning when I got to work at the golf club. Still, some nutters out there wanting to play golf which we'll get on to a little bit later in this programme, because one of our topics today is about winter golf and whether you guys actually enjoy it, whether some of you can't wait to get out there, whatever the weather. And I know, Matt, you're a huge advocate of playing pretty much in any conditions um, that Mother Nature throws at us. But first, we're going to talk today a little bit about what happened last week on both the PGA Tour and DP World Tour and look ahead a little bit to what's going on this week. So, Matt, let's start with last week's golf, okay? So we'll start with the PGA Tour, and we saw Siwoo Kim win his fourth tournament. Did you watch most of that? Uh, I didn't watch too much PGA Tour last week. Um, I just found the 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 location and the timing, um, it was on quite late. And when I've got early morning tea times on the weekend, as I did have last weekend, um, the staying up late to watch golf, if it was a major, no problem. But for the, uh, was it Sony Open? Not going to happen as much. Well, they, um, they say the only two sure things in life are death and taxes. But I think the other one is you having a tea time. That's um, so really Every day there's going to be a tea time for Matt Holbrook. But but yeah, I mean, I, I watched some of it. And I know from chats we've had before the podcast started, the biggest um, kind of topic you wanted to talk about is actual Siwoo Kim's shirt that he was wearing, yeah? <laughs> It was unbelievable, right? I don't know if you saw it. So let's let's give him some credit, right? So he's this guy is he is a serial winner now on the PGA Tour. Um, probably not on the radar like some of the other players are. Um, shot six under final round is uh, is always going to get it done to win by one. Birded the last two holes, but it was the chipping on seventeen, wasn't it? That they're talking about that being the yeah, that was awesome, wasn't it? Particularly after a putt had gone in. Um, to put some pressure on him as well, yeah. Yeah, six hundred, six hundred thousand dollar chipping. I think somebody, uh, somebody wow. said that was. So that's not not too bad. Um, but yeah, the shirt was shirt was outrageous, wasn't it? Absolutely outrageous. Like, Such a yeah, not not the nicest, was it? Um, no. It does. It does also mean that Callaway, with their new paradigm, have actually won two out of two on the PGA Tour as well, which is which is quite a good stat to start the year. Yeah, only hearing good things about. <laughs> Let's be honest, I'm only hearing good things about most of the equipment that's come out this year, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, again, um, yeah, we'll a little for... bit later in the podcast, but yes, the, this time of year we are inundated with new releases from all the golf manufacturers, and yeah. it can get a little bit busy, can't it, in terms of um, sort of wading through all of the marketing spiel that we're seeing, and Fargiveness being one that's come out this week, which I think is... Uh, yeah, it's, it's got under a few people's collars so far. But but yeah, we'll get onto equipment a little bit later. But yeah, I mean, it's a great start for Callaway and certainly validating their new product very quickly in 2023. So the other thing that's happened um, over on the PJ Tour this week was Jordan Spieth actually, well, he kind of equaled a record that had stood for 22 years. And it's not a record that many of us would actually want. So talk us through what happened to Spieth this weekend, Matt. Yeah, so he kind of gave himself a bit of a kiss of death, really. He well, it wasn't um, this weekend; it was Thursday and Friday because he's had the weekend off. But but yeah, we'll we'll talk about why. Te- yeah, te- technically, he has had the weekend off. Um, so he shot five under on the first round and was winning. Uh, was tied for the lead, um, and so I think he shot. Um, uh, then he had a, an eleven shot swing um, and ended up missing the cut, which. It's the first time in Sony Open history that a player has been tied to the lead after the first round but ended up missing the cut. But basically, he said after his first round, he did an interview where he said, yeah, I feel really good. I like the calls. I basically feel every time I tee it up here, I can shoot five or six under. Um, And then obviously followed that up on Thursday with an absolute stinker to miss the cut. 
Um, yeah, yeah, crazy one. Though. I mean, that that hasn't happened since uh, the 2000 Arnold Palmer Invitational when Matt Every did pretty much the same. So leading to miss miss the cut on the on the Friday and have the weekend off. But it's definitely not a record anyone wants on the PGA Tour. However, um, good signs that Spieth can play quite well, but fairly schizophrenic in the fact that on the Friday he's. His game seemed to desert him a little bit, but I'm pretty sure Gordon, uh, Gordon, Jordan Spieth will be back with a vengeance this season. He certainly looks to have found some form. Um, I think I, he, he just he just isn't as consistent as he'd like to be. I think. Would you agree? No, no and and also, do you know, let's not forget, right? Golf is hard, and I've had this conversation now with you know with two or three different people. You know, for for us, well, I say us. You're not an amateur. For, for for us, as in me and my pals, you know, as amateur golfers, that's no different to me shooting, you know, 73 on a Saturday and then shooting 84 on a Sunday. You know, it happens quite regularly. No, um, you know, I've done the same. I mean, I've, ne- I've never shot 64, 75, but I've shot no. 68, 68, 69 and then 80 or something. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is hard. It's, it's, hard. it's hard. hard. Yeah, let's not uh, let's not beat him up about it too much. He's a likable guy. We like Jordan's beef, don't we? Oh, it's great. Yeah, absolutely. So on the DP World Tour, we had the Hero Cup, which is kind of a return to the Sevy Trophy, I suppose, that many of you will be familiar with from years gone by, where a team from Great Britain and Ireland took on continental Europe. So I'm guessing this was the tournament that you watched the most, Matt, yeah? Yeah, I watched, I watched a lot more of this uh, than what I did the PGA Tour. Um we enjoy watching match play, right? A lot of people, especially you go on social media, people are always asking for different formats. Um, you know, they don't like watching 72 hours of stroke play every week. And then all of a sudden we get this nice kind of um, relaxed, if you like, start to the year with a, a match play event with uh, a team from Great Britain and Ireland taking on continental Europe, which felt a bit weird for me because being a big Team Europe Ryder Cup fan, you know, I'm looking down the continental Europe team and I feel like being English, I should be supporting Great Britain and Ireland. But I also want to back all the guys playing for the continental European team um, because there's a lot of likeable players on there, which I think come the Ryder Cup this year, we might see um, we might see tearing it up. So, but it was, a, you Absolutely. know. Absolutely. I suppose it's, it's a chance for us to see those players in action in a match play environment, but also... It's quite different to obviously the USA have the President's Cup where they play against the rest of the world team, and but they're still playing as the USA. You know, we're not breaking any of those players up. So, so like you say, we're kind of chopping our team in half, really, aren't we? And um, and putting Europeans against um, Great Britain and Ireland, which, like you say, seems a bit odd at times, doesn't it? But um, but yeah, it is a great way for us to see some players that maybe are on the fringes, maybe players that might get in the Ryder Cup in the future. But um, yeah, like you said, everyone loves match play, don't they? I mean, it's 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 almost a, a very pure form of the game, just you against another person, isn't it? Rather than you know every week when you're against a hundred odd people in the field, and when the cut gets made, another. 69, 70 people that make the cut. It, it, it's very different, a match play, as you'll know yourself from playing at club level. Yeah. But um, it, unless, it unless obviously great way of playing golf. Yeah, unless your name's Jordan Spieth, where you're just playing against yourself most weeks anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was good. You know, there was, um, you know, I, I enjoyed watching, you know, some of these guys that probably, let's be honest, have an outside chance. So there's, I think there's maybe three or four guys that I think have got a realistic chance. So, um, Sepp yep. Strapper, Seamus Power, um, uh, one or two others' names escape me now. But then there's also the guys such as, you know, Jordan Smith, Richard Mansell, Ewan Ferguson, um, you know, that are really kind of getting a chance to get in front of, you know, not just Luke Donald as the captain, but also some of the more senior players like Francesco Molinari, like Tommy Fleetwood. Um, and I'm sure that Luke Donald will be leaning on those team captains from last week to get you know thoughts and feedbacks on on how yeah, they. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. I mean, some some of the obviously Europe's big guns were missing, the likes of Ram Hovland, McElroy, Fitzpatrick, who you know are bound to be in the team. I think later on uh, this season to go to Marco Simone Golf Club, but um, yeah, I mean players like Lowry getting to watch watch him, who you think is he's probably kind of on the verge of going, I would say, but uh, I, th- I still think he needs to play quite well this season in order to get himself in there. And, you know, we, we had a chat 
before um, we started recording about about Lowry and how um, personally I, I would love him as a partner in the Ryder Cup because I think he's just the steadiest golfer you'll ever play with and he seems to make quite a few birdies which is great and it kind of maybe frees up a rookie to have a bit of a go but I also loved watching the likes of Alex Noren, who's obviously played Ryder Cup before, played very well, plays a lot of golf in the States, but I think we'll probably see him in Europe a little bit more this season because I think he really has got the bit between his teeth and wants to play another Ryder Cup. Um, the Hoygaard brothers, obviously we had uh, one of the twins play uh, this week and he actually filled in for his brother who couldn't make it at the last minute. But then I thought, and I've thought for a while, you know, Adrian Moronk played absolutely fantastic. He's been kind of improving week on week on the DP World Tour, and I really think he's got a great chance of making the team as well. Yeah, Moronk's a baller. That that guy can really play. Um, I would be surprised. For me, he was probably the one that I think will make the team. Um, and if he doesn't, I you know he he must have had a pretty poor year between now and then to not make the team. Yeah, I, th- I think I- I'd be shocked if he didn't make it, even as a captain's pick as well, to be honest. And, you know, he bases himself in Dubai, lives out there, and I'd expect him probably to do fairly well in the next couple of weeks in in the tournaments we're about to talk about. But, but yeah, I I, I just think he's got a lot of game and, and he's a player that you would, you would like to play with. He's powerful, but he's also very, very steady as well. Mm-hmm. Big levers. Yeah, huge. He's a big guy, isn't he? Yeah, so... Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a great chance for us to see some match play golf and to see some of the players who we think may make the team. But we've alluded a little bit to to this week on the DP World Tour. So we'll we'll talk about that in a second. But first, PGA Tour uh, heads to uh, the American Express at La Quinta Golf Club in California. It's tough for some, isn't it, Matt, having to play, play in such places? But Indeed. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I, I mean, I don't even know what to say. I mean, we've got we're talking about Abu Dhabi and California here as uh, tour venues, and I'm looking out the window at Frosty the Snowman. So it, it's it's very very difficult to. <laughs> well, it's all, we're all we're all jealous. Let's face it, aren't we? This yeah, time look, we're, we're jealous. We, we also know we want to be get there playing in these conditions, and we want to be enjoying the sunshine. But alas, we are not. But right. but yeah, so we're going to La Quinta, and I know you've got some thoughts on the golf course that they play over there. Yeah, so it's it's an event that maybe doesn't attract the strongest field on the PGA Tour, but it is played over two two courses, and it's um, I actually just find it a really enjoyable course to watch golf played on. I just like the way it's framed. The it's the one where you've got you know like green fairways, but you've got this like dead brown grass in the rough where they just kind of let it die. Or I don't know if yeah. it's the growing conditions over there, but it just looks you know kind of quirky on TV. Um, yeah, so it's one that I do enjoy. I design golf course, so you know the players are going to be. You know, it's a it's a thorough examination of everyone's game, but also around this golf course, the scoring tends to be quite good. So last year, I think it was twenty three under one round there, which which is obviously phenomenal anywhere. But um, I would expect you know the 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 usual suspects to be up there. I'm, I'm sure Rams in the field this week. Xander Schauffele back again as well as, you know, other notable big names, some that have gone across from the Hero Cup actually to, to play as well. And um yeah, I'd I'd expect I'd expect some good performances from those guys again. And, you know, who knows, Ram might win again. I mean he's playing that well, isn't he? Uh he is actually. He's uh probably, arguably maybe the best player in the world on form at the moment. You couldn't probably couldn't argue against that. Um, yeah, I think so, yeah, him and Rory certainly seem to be on a on a bit of a different planet at the moment, aren't they? But um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I mean, it'd be be great to watch. And and on the DP World Tour, we obviously got um, HSBC at Yas Links in Abu Dhabi, which again must be a real pain for those guys to head out there. Have you seen? So have you seen? Um, I saw it on. I saw it on social media. Talking about the tea boxes here, aren't you? I know what you're going to come out with. The tea boxes. So they've rolled a ball across the tea box. I said, "Yeah, these are running at like nine point four on the stimp or something like that." And you think ten point three? I saw. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And at first glance, you think, "God, you know what? Them them greens are not as quick as maybe you think." And then that's when you realise that it's actually the tea boxes absolutely running that quick. Um, I mean, for me, this this event always kind of symbolizes the start of the season for me you know it comes obviously middle of january and we've already had a few events but 
I just love to see the guys head out to Abu Dhabi and play out there and, and this kind of Middle East swing that we get into at this time of year. And, you know, on a personal level, we've got two players from the club here at Howley and Marcus Armitage and Daniel Gavin's playing there and local lad and recent tour winner Daniel Bradbury as well will be teeing it up in the HSBC. So good luck to you three guys and hopefully one of you finishes or all three of your top three will be absolutely wonderful. But um, yeah, really good start to the season and hopefully win yourself some money and some points yeah, for that race to Dubai. Who's your money on this week then, Matt? Uh, my money is on. Um, I like I like Alex Norrin this week. Okay, cool. Yeah, I do. Um, there is there was one other. Um, I also like Ryan Fox. I think Ryan Fox is going to yeah. pick up this year where he left off last year. Actually, um, so yeah, so those two would be my uh, my ones to watch this week. What about you? Awesome player, isn't he? I, I mean, Moronk, I think will do well. Yeah. Um, Fleetwood, I think, is playing quite nicely. So um, you, you never know, and you know that those sort of conditions generally suit him. And he he does play well in the Middle East at times. And I don't know, there's just so many good players, isn't there? There is, uh, and actually, one one that's worth mentioning is um, a guy that probably was on the radar for the last Ryder Cup, I believe, but but missed out um, and has had eleven months off through injuries. Uh, Alexander Levy. The French guy, the short French guy, hits him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. He's back in the field this week after uh, 11 months out. Um, so it's good to see him back. Um, but while we're talking about the field, are we talking about some of the names? Mr. Poulter, Mr. Stenson, Mr. Reed, um, Westwood. Mr. Westwood uh, are playing. So that could be a little bit awkward in, in places. Personally, I hope it doesn't kind of. Oh, I've got them all. It'd be great. <laughs> I mean, I've got my opinions on on not live golf, but what that's done to the to, to the game of golf over the past few months. Uh, and you know, I don't. We don't really need to get into that. I don't think. But what I'm hoping is that I'm hoping that it doesn't kind of overshadow what should be a nice way to kick off the season properly or the year properly on the uh, DP World Tour. Yeah, um, Marcus Armitage, Dan Gavin's one two. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah we'll you'd like that. Win, just, yeah, just play some great golf. Yeah, yeah. Right, um, so that, that kind of looks at the last week and ahead to this week. We've also got some news that Nick Faldo, or Sir Nick Faldo, should I say, six-time major champion, will now head up the British Masters and host it for the next five years. What do you make of that, Matt? Well, he's got a lot of history there, hasn't he? Um, with the Ryder Cup being there. Um, and he's obviously got some time now. He's not doing his... Uh, he's got his he hasn't got his TV commitments anymore, has he, in, uh, in America? Um, oh, so, he's loving know, life in Montana on his ranch, isn't he? Just on his ranch, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it's, I think it's good that he's put his name to it. It'll definitely add some weight to the event, um, you know, and also it's an event that we used to have a lot in the UK and then it slipped away, didn't it, for a few years and it came back when Sky got behind it. So, it's you know, it's, it's, it's nice that he's decided to put his name to it um, for five years, I think. Four or five years? Yeah, I think guaranteed for four is going to going to be at the Belfry on the Brabazon. So he's played three Ryder Cups there. And yeah, obviously, like you say, he's got history with, with the Belfry. And the fifth is um, TBC at the minute. So I don't know where he's going to host that, that tournament. But um, perhaps... Howley Hall. It, well, maybe. Or maybe his home in Welling Garden City. You never know. So... Um, no. So yeah, potentially, but but yeah, I think it's great to have Faldo in there. He's obviously a, um, a legend of the game and someone that a lot of people respect. Fantastic golfer. I mean, his achievements so far haven't been matched by any British golfer. And yeah, he's um, yeah he's a serious serious talent that we don't see enough of really in this country. But yeah, I, I can't can't wait to see him over here this year for the British Masters. It'll be great. Uh, and what's your thoughts on the Belfry? I like it. You know, I've I've played it a few times and I think it's a good golf course. It, it is it the best in Britain? Absolutely not, but it it's it's just iconic, isn't it? And it's yeah. I think it's ideally situated for everyone as well. It's right in the middle of the country, isn't it? So it it's quite good sort of to get to for people and um I you know, I think the the sort of resort as a whole is very good for holding golf tournaments and yeah, I I like it. I've always always loved it when I when I've been there apart from when I was there from a PGA exams which obviously weren't quite so um you know, enthralling, but um, but yeah, it's it's a great place to visit, and I've you know I've played the Brabazon a few times and really enjoyed it. 
Yeah, I, I have to be honest. It's one that I've always found divides opinion amongst uh, amongst golfers that have been and played, uh, and I just can't get my head around people that don't think it's a good golf course. Um, like you say, absolutely not the best. But what I would say is, I've been there winter, I've been there spring, I've been there summer. Never ever seen the golf course in bad condition when you consider the amount of traffic they get. Yeah, you're absolutely um, right. And I actually think the layout is is pretty fun. You know, there's there's some tough holes, there's some easier holes, um, and I think as far as you know, the two finish holes, the seventeenth, eighteenth. I mean, I've got some personal history um, with the eighteenth at the at the Belfry where I I hit the perfect tee shot to about I had an eight iron in my hand, um, and for those that don't know the Belfry, the the eighteenth a, a dog leg where. It's literally 90 degrees turn, isn't it, at the fairway? So you can kind of cut some trees, but you have to cut the corner a little bit. But the further left you go off the tee, the closer to the water that you're going to come. Um, and then I just, uh, I was on camera because it was being recorded for Golf Shake was there. And I was actually playing with uh, a, f- a famous YouTuber in the golfing world. Um, so there was a few cameras on, on me. And yeah, I ended up just shanking into the uh, into the lake with an eight iron in my hand. <laughs> Um, We've all and dropped, yeah, and then I dropped a ball to hit another one and, and shanked that one, and, and that one went in the water as well. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but no, it's, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think it's a great location. I think it's a good golf course to to watch golf. And, yeah, I'm hoping to be able to get over there and watch it myself, actually. Absolutely, yeah, it'll be fantastic. So moving on to our next topic, mate. So like we alluded to at the start of the programme, clubs and equipment are coming thick and fast at this time of year right so we've had some more releases since we last spoke i believe last monday when we had a chat the aerojet series from your favorite brand cobra was just about to be released so we've seen videos and everything released about that which which has been great we talked a little bit about your media trip over there but since then we've had taylor made obviously dropping stealth 2 and also ping with G430. So what do you make of those when you've looked at those releases, Matt? Uh, so, look, so I've watched uh, I've watched your YouTube videos, obviously. Um, I've also watched, um, you know, a, a few other a few other reviews of, of, of the equipment because I, I do like to see what other people's opinions are on, on, you know, on equipment, especially this time of year. And look, no manufacturer makes bad golf equipment these days. Um, I think they're all offering something different. What I found your recent comparison video um, of the Paradigm Aerojet and Stealth 2 uh, quite interesting because, you know, to be honest, there's not a lot. There wasn't a lot in it, was there, in, in the free? Um, not at all. I mean, very, very similar, in fact. Yeah. So, so then it just comes down to preference. It comes down to looks. It comes down to price and... You know, obviously, everyone's got different tastes. Everyone's got different budgets. Um, you know, and it's just a fun time of year, and it's uh, it's nice to see what what people want to do and and what people think of certain things. So, uh, I mean, that that yeah. video has been been really popular. We've we've had I think about twelve thousand views on it already, which which is kind of quite good for you know it's only been out for a couple of days, and 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 for our channel and the way it's growing at the moment, it, it's really good to have that many that many views so early. So it's obviously something people are interested in. And you know, I certainly just from a personal standpoint, wanting to see which one performed the best. Um, and I'm not going to spoil the video for you, but take a look and, and see for yourself. But you know, that it, it just like, it underlines exactly what you've said. Everyone makes great equipment and, and there's loads of good stuff out on the market there as well. Haven't had chance to try the new ping range. So ping, if you're listening, if you want to send us some kit to do a review of, I'd absolutely love that. Um, but yeah, TaylorMade Stealth Two is always going to be popular. There's so many players out there that TaylorMade look after that are going to be using this equipment. You know, the likes of Rory, Scotty Scheffler, just to name a few, and Tiger obviously will will be playing sometime this year with with Stealth Two in the bag as well. So it's always going to be very popular. I've already had uh, people booking fittings to hit it, but also Callaway and um, Cobra, which which are the two sort of other main brands I stock plus Wilson who have something new coming out this week as well, which we can't talk about yet, but it's, it's very close to being released. Um, and, and their, their equipment is, is extremely good as well. But, but yeah, like you say, we've got loads of stuff on the YouTube channel. So if you want to head over there to, to YouTube, find the golf shake channel and see some of our recent videos with all this new kit that's coming out, then head over there and check it out for yourself. But yeah, I mean, um, 
we've obviously got so much in the marketplace now, Matt, and, and January seems to be the time that every manufacturer drops all their stuff. We've obviously got the Orlando, Orlando Golf Show next, sorry, end of this week now. So we may even see some stuff that we weren't expecting, um, kind of surprises out there that, that pop up as well. I've, I've been to the Orlando Show. Have you ever been there, Matt? No, I haven't had the uh, haven't had the opportunity. It's definitely something you should you should do, and um, you would absolutely love it. As as a complete golf nerd like myself, particularly the demo day is amazing. And to be honest, the room itself that the show is held in, I just can't describe how big the place is. It takes yeah. probably between five and ten minutes just to walk the length of the room. It's absolutely colossal, and just about every golf brand you can you can possibly name is there. And, you know, now that we've we've come through the worst of COVID or we seem to have come through the worst of COVID, it, everyone seems to be um, exhibiting there again. So expect to see some stuff come out of the uh, the PGA show in Orlando this week too. But yeah, in, in terms of our next topic then, Matt, so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, winter golf. Okay, so it, it's something that divides opinion a lot. And, you you know, you know my feelings on this. I'm I'm a self-confessed fair weather golfer. I'm not someone who particularly enjoys getting out there in the depths of winter, but you're someone who will play in any weather. So we're probably two good people to talk about this subject, I would I would imagine. Yeah, so it's worth it's worth me pointing out, right? I do I do have some boundaries, I do have some limits. <laughs> um I, I I absolutely don't mind the cold. Um and I don't mind to any certain to a certain extent I don't mind getting wet. Um, if I know it's going to happen and I can be prepared for it, I find it quite interesting that as golfers, you know, I know so many people that probably own a £300 set of waterproof golf clothing but won't go and play golf in the rain. Um, but what I don't like is I don't like the combination of the two. If it's cold, wet, windy, um, that's not my idea of fun. But if the course was open tomorrow morning for example so we're struggling at the moment in Suffolk where we had a lot of rain over the weekend the golf course was closed Saturday open Sunday closed Monday and then all of a sudden the temperatures dropped so now the wet golf course is frozen Um, but if I woke up tomorrow morning and the golf course was open and I was able to go out and play but it was minus two minus three like I think a good base layer a nice jumper a, a body warmer and a woolly hat and a snood I can still swing I'm going to get out. I'm going to get my exercise. You know, hopefully I'm going to make some birdies, which always warms anybody up. Um, You know, I don't, I I don't mind. It's, you know, it's, it's more than just a game to me. So I'm totally, uh, I totally understand the people that don't want to go out in those conditions. I get it. Um, Yeah, I I mean, on, on that more than just a game kind of theme, I completely understand you know, those people who, you know, we, we, we can't understate the mental health benefits of getting out and playing a game of golf, even if it's on your own or with your friends, whatever you prefer. I think getting out there, regardless of, you know, what's going on weather-wise and, and, and kind of just, you know, taking stock of things, clearing your head, enjoying yourself, even if you play bad golf, coming off the course and think, well, that was a few hours well spent and, you know, back to back to reality kind of thing. I completely get that side of it. And yeah. if that's what you play golf for, then fair play to you. I, I always thought of winter as a bit of time to kind of work on my game and do a lot of yeah. practice. So I tend to spend a lot more time on the range. And and certainly, um, again, going back to some of the YouTube and website content that we've got, there's loads of winter tuition stuff on there as well, that if people want to work on their game through the winter or maybe they're playing in really windy conditions, wet conditions, rough conditions, playing links golf, we've got videos on both the YouTube channel and the website to really help you get through this winter period and work on your game. Is, is that something you do as well in the winter, Matt? Yeah, t- totally. So the... The winter period for me is is so important because I um I, I, I so, so yes yeah, so I I will have lessons with with my pro once a month through the winter because I know that I'm gonna have the time to go and you know beat some balls at the range. I'm a bit of a range rat in the winter. Um, I don't mind going two or three times a week, and that's my opportunity to make sure that when the, the weather starts to turn. Um, when days start getting longer, I think as we sit here now recording this on the Tuesday night, we've got like 68 days until the clocks change. So I'm looking at this time now as quite important for me to maybe work on a few things, improve a few things, you know, assess 
where my season finished last year and work out what I need to do to make sure it's better next year. And I, I love the practice. I love the process of getting better. I love learning. I love trying new things. It comes with its frustrations. But that's part of the fun for me. Um, so, yeah, so I know so many people that will, you know, maybe play once a month this time of year if the weather allows them and then come springtime to pick up their clubs. And it takes them a month, six weeks to really get in, get into the swing of things where I see this as an opportunity. You know, if I can go out and shoot relatively good scores compared to my, you know, in relation to my handicap this time of year, then I feel like when the weather gets better, when the course gets better, my game is going to be in pretty good shape. Um, so, yeah, so it's really, really important, I find, this time of year if you want to have a good season going forward. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, like I say, I, I tend to use it more practice and, and I might get out for the odd five or six hole loop here and there, maybe once a month. But I, I don't, for me, this time of year, it, it's not golf. Do you know what I mean? It, to me, it's not, it doesn't feel like you're playing golf. It feels like you're you're kind of trudging around a field with, with golf clubs on your back and occasionally hitting a shot. It doesn't feel like the game of golf to me, which I like to, you know, be playing in. Well, certainly I, I don't mind a jumper, but not waterproofs and three layers and a bobble hat is, is not my idea of fun. Like you said, but, um, I also I'm think happy. that as well, like course, course conditions does play a big part in this as well. So, you know, I appreciate where you're based and where I'm based are, you know, two completely different things, right? Yeah, like, very much so, yeah. I mean, if yeah, I was I, playing Lynx golf every week, like, you know, we were speaking to Kieran, who's our digital editor the other day, and basically he's he's up in St. Andrews, and, and generally you're going to get, you know, yes, it's going to be cold, it's going to be windy at times, but you're generally going to get a golf course that's playable on you, and you, you're not going to be yeah. on, like, temperate greens or really forward tees or anything like that you're generally going to play, play a proper golf course which which i i would absolutely do you know you know if i was if i was towards the coast or in a sandy kind of belt of land where the course is drained really well then then yeah but just coming in absolutely caked in mud and and yeah not not really uh enjoying it it's not my idea of fun particularly oh. but um but yeah I, I mean hats off to people who do get out there and play all year round and and you know, the season is becoming longer all the time. It kind of starts now in, you know, I've always thought of the start of the season about Masters time, really, but it's, it's probably shifted a bit later now because of the weather in this country to maybe May or even June time, but seems to last into September, October, November, where it probably came to an end in September previously. And, and you know, the golf season seems to stretch out, but we just have that period of uh, December, January, February, particularly, that are pretty awful. Um you know, I, I've I've got a pro am I'm playing in March in Turkey, and I just can't wait to get out there. And for me, that'll be the start of my golf season. Really, actually playing golf on some courses that you know we're playing the full length and hopefully not really really wet. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to find out from the Golf Shake audience about this because because there's still lots of rounds being played on the score tracker. There's still people getting out there and playing golf at this time of year. So. Um, I guess it'd be great to hear from you. So if you want to email us, info at golfshake.com or through any of our social media platforms, you can ask us questions about the podcast or you know, tell us, do you play golf all, all through the winter? Do you do it religiously? Do you stop at a certain time of year? And give us your reasons as well. Because obviously me and Matt are, are very different. I'm obviously a complete wuss and won't go out in bad weather and, Matt, and Matt's pretty happy to do that. So yeah, give us your feedback as well. So it's also the next part out. that we're going to talk about, Matt, um, is I've kind of loosely termed it pro shop talk, all right? So this time of year is great because, you know, I obviously spend a lot of time in the shop and speak to a lot of my members and they, they're always coming in having chats about things like equipment or um, I also speak to a lot of my reps and kind of get stories from them about other professionals that they've dealt with and some of the kind of funny things that have gone on. And this week something tickled me really with um, – I was I was talking to uh, a, I can't tell you what company he's from because you'll you'll get it straight away but but this this uh, particular company have a custom fitting system and all this this time of year all the custom fitting components get sent out to us pros to do fittings with and he's been inundated with professionals who particularly aren't that good at custom fitting almost asking him what all the different components do um, I I just find that hilarious in terms of one they're very simple for one um and and two the last thing i would do is be ringing my rep to ask him how to put a shaft in the club head um but but some people do that and you know what what would your take be on something like that matt um do you know i hear to be honest you know not not being privy to some of the conversations that goes on between pros and reps but 
I can only begin to imagine um, some of the things that go backwards and forwards. Um, that's all I'm going to say on the matter, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's not always pros, don't get me wrong. It's some, Sometimes it's kind of some of the big box golf retailers that will be ringing people up and asking some of the most ludicrous things of, of reps. And I'm sure some some of you out there will follow some various Twitter accounts of, you know, uh, nameless reps in, in the golf industry or uh, or uh, secret golf pro and people like that who give you some stories. But they are actually very, very true to life of the sort of things that we get asked on a day-to-day basis within the golf shop. And yeah, I mean, some some of it's absolutely bonkers. But one one other topic that we were going to talk about leading on from that is competitions and particularly uh, the sort of implementation of the World Handicap System and kind of how you've felt that has gone at your golf club, you know. So the, the, the reason this kind of sprung into my head was really because some of the crazy scores that we're getting in competitions at the club at the moment. And it seems to be more often than it ever was before the handicap system was introduced. And I just wanted to know as, as a sort of handicap golfer, what your take on it was, because, you know, as a pro, it's a long time since I've had a handicap and a long time since I've kind of bothered about what I'm playing off and the tournaments I'm playing in and whether I've gone up 0.1 and all that kind of stuff. And, and this new system seems to, lead itself quite well to, to people shooting some crazy scores? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I could go on a little mini rant um, about this at the moment, but it's I, I'm an advocate of the, um, of the new system. I can definitely see the benefit. I'm somebody that has seen the benefit firsthand of, you know, not last year, not struggling to play to my handicap through the winter, and then kind of getting put off by that. You know, I, I accepted the fact that last year during the winter time, my handicap went up, which meant I was able to, you know, shoot better scores, not necessarily play better, but shoot better scores, which kind of kept me really motivated to to continue to go and play rather than maybe in the past. It was, oh, I'm going to struggle to play the five because we're on the winter, you know, we're on the, the mats on the par threes and right at the back. It's the courses plan. You know, I know they might push the tees forward, but it's, it's in theory, it doesn't play any shorter because it's colder, it's windier. Um, and so in terms of the, in terms of the actual competition scores, look, I, I, I have to be honest and say that I can probably count on one hand the amount of times I've seen a score come in that I thought was, you know, pretty, pretty out there. Um, and I think it's a system that could work really, really well if people use it in the correct way, i.e. putting all of their scores in. Now, I know that this is going to come with an issue around manipulation and around, um, you know, people putting in scores that, you know, maybe not plan to their ability to try and falsify their handicap. But do you know what? You got that with the old system. You know, I know we've talked in the past about this, you know, Cheats will always find a way to cheat. And people that want to fudge their handicap will always find a way of doing that. And I think, you know, golf clubs can do maybe a little bit more in terms of understanding who those people are. I know that I'm not pointing the finger at the golf clubs, by the way, saying that you guys need to do more because I know that you're doing as much as you can anyway. Um, But I know our golf club has had conversations with people that have you know, signed into England golf app and then not put their score in because they've either played really well or really badly. Yeah. Um, and these people have been warned about their, you know, about misuse of the system. Interestingly, though, I think yesterday or today, I've seen that um, England golf have announced that uh, in some of the elite amateur events in this country. Yeah, if- I, I saw that actually today. So um, it's a guy called James Crampton, who's like the head of their tournaments, who actually, when I was a kid growing up in Lincolnshire, he played county golf for Lincolnshire. They're a very, very good player, James, and and um, you know, obviously played at a very high level himself. And yeah, I think what, you, what you're saying um, about this, so basically they're bringing in um, for elite amateur events, and obviously that everyone's... Well, not, not everyone's, but a lot of elite amateur handicaps have, have got to a level where now sometimes plus three and plus four is the limit to get into a tournament, and there's like a hundred players off that, um, which is which is absolutely bonkers, isn't it? But um, they're trying to to almost make it so that their competitive tournament scores and a certain amount count in order to get you in, and if they're general play ones, 
they almost don't don't count towards your handicap. Am I yeah. right? In yeah, yeah. So yeah, but basically, in a nutshell, that what what they're saying is that if you've if you've got a tendency to be shooting lower scores when you're playing general play rounds compared to competitions, then you're not going to get into these events. Uh, and I'm kind of I, conflicted I, I find about that, that's great at the elite amateur end, right? But I, my problem comes with the other end, right, where you've got very high handicaps and people can be chucking general play scores in all the time. And you know, we've got people that will, will play in a competition on a Saturday and never get anywhere near the handicap. But then when it's a seniors comp in the week, they shoot 40-odd, 45 points all the time. And it's just crazy. Um, so it, it's so, very... So does that, happen, does that happen because of the handicap system? Or, or, is, that, or is that an individual thing? Is that that person that, you know... Yeah, maybe, I don't know. I, don't know, I, don't know. You know. But, um, I mean, we, we had a, a, a score of 48 points win this week in the in one of the seniors competitions and no one was within, I mean, some guys came in, played, you know, shooting 41, 42 points, thinking they played amazing. And then saw on the computer that someone had 48 and literally wanted to burn the clubhouse down. It, it was, um, yeah, it was crazy really. I mean, you, you can't but laugh really, but, but yeah, but there's just as many people, like you say, making the handicap higher than it should be, you know, even though they're quite low handicappers making it, look worse and I think team events is a, is a big thing as well you know so we've had some crazy scores in team events um, you know you sort of best two from four kind of format yeah. or or better balls and things like that um, it, it's a funny people, one that some people are getting more shots than they're expecting to get yeah it's, it's a funny one that for me because I'll be honest as, as I've got better uh, especially last year my focus started to go towards um, you know opens in my region you know yeah. that qualify for the county order of merit now these are scratch events there is a prize uh for you know best best net um but actually i'm i want to put myself against some of the better golfers you know in the county um and see if i can compete with some of these guys for me like the idea of golf has always been to try and be as as you know as low as i possibly can so you know, in answer to that that issue that you've got there, you know, you come off the you come off the course with you know forty two points, and you know you think you've done well. Um, you have done well, haven't you? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely, no, absolutely, you have done well. But what I'm saying, if if that's me in that scenario, you know, actually, the fact that I've gone in theory six under my handicap is more important to me than maybe winning a few quid and winning that competition. But yeah. that's just the way, you know, that's just the way that I approach my golf. Um, you know, I, I can understand it's it, it can be frustrating. I mean, you know, let's 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 not beat around the bush. You know, as you know, I I played in a, a national competition this year where off a three quarter handicap, forty six points won. Yeah. Um and that for me was absolutely crazy. No one got within five shots of that. But you know what, here's a guy who plays off eighteen, he you know, had been having lessons for whatever reason, maybe hadn't been playing. Um, you know, do I think that guy's a cheat? No. Do I think that his handicap was maybe higher than what his ability would reflect? Yes. But what can he do? I mean, we, we've you all know? had days where we've played out of our skin. I mean, it happens. The lower handicap yeah. you are, though, the less of those days happen, don't they? So it's not yes. as if you know, I'm not going to ever have a day where I shoot Ten under par, do you know what I mean? And and, no. and but but off twenty five, you can very easily do that. You know, <laughs> it's not. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, you know, I'm I'm in that position where you know, off off my index is currently five point one. I've been playing quite well since you know the start of the year, so I'm getting six shots at my home course at the moment. So you know, for me to shoot forty two points, I've got to shoot level par. Yeah, you know, I haven't done that for quite a while. So therefore, you know, for me getting to 38, 39 points and shooting two or three over par is a big, big achievement for me. Does that mean that I can't compete in some of the stable food competitions? Absolutely. But I don't think I'm entering them to compete and to win. Um, you know, I'm entering them because that's what I do yeah, to support the club. Yeah, to, yeah. You know, to, to, to keep my handicap down, to keep the competition juices flowing as well, because... You know, it's only what ninety ninety odd days before I'm going to play my first um, my first open competition of the year. 
Um, and I want to feel like I've, you know, had some competition golf. Um, you Absolutely. know, and then you've got this It's kind of a, a debate that's going to roll on, isn't it? You know, it, it's not one yeah. that, we, you know, we're going to solve now. But it, again, it's something we'd be interested to hear from you guys about as well. So if you've got any kind of ludicrous stories of scores that have been shot at your golf club, please drop us a line at info at golfshake.com or any of our social media channels that you can get hold of us on or um, me and Matt directly on social media. So we're both on Instagram and and Twitter as well. So if you've got anything you want to feed back to us, that would be absolutely fantastic. So Matt, the last part of the program today is going to focus a bit on travel as we did last week. So with our travel partners, golfbreaks.com, who celebrating their 25th anniversary this year and have some amazing offers, whether it's you and your significant other that want to go away or you and a group of your friends wanting to get out and play somewhere new. There are loads of offers on the website there. So we're going to turn our attention, Matt, to a place that, well, certainly is close to my heart. I don't know whether it is to yours, but it's a place I've really loved visiting over the past couple of years. And it was certainly the first place kind of post-COVID that I visited and 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 really enjoyed kind of the freedoms that all that all that kind of entailed. And that is the fantastic Dundonald Links up in Ayrshire, Matt. So both of us have been there numerous occasions and pretty much sampled everything that Dundonald and Ayrshire has to offer. I just wanted to get your take on Dundonald. Obviously, it's um, there's a lot of money been spent there. So we've got the, the Lodges and Darwin Escapes who bought it um, a few years ago now have really invested heavily in there. And what what is your take on Dundonald as a venue? Um, mate, they've done absolutely astonishing things with with that place. So, um, with with my role uh, at Golf Shake as an ambassador, I've been lucky enough to go there twice with Golf Shake. Um, once was when they'd basically first started to. Uh, in fact, it wasn't even then when the first time I went, they still had the old porter cabin as a as the clubhouse. Yeah, and I remember. Yeah, I remember Ian uh, showing us, and and he walked us up the tent fairway and kind of pointed to where the lodges were going to be, and it was just like a almost like a wasteland area. You couldn't even imagine what was there now. At the time, I remember standing there thinking, "This guy's off his rocker." Like, it's it's just you know he's, he's in dreamland, and then he talked to us about the clubhouse, and then then I went back when the first pod of lodges was opened. Um, and that's when I know that you you was there at the same time. And we, yeah, I mean that that was during the Euros, wasn't it? So we actually watched yes. the final of the Euros in in that six bed lodge, didn't we? And uh, we did. Obviously, we know what happened, unfortunately. But um, but yeah, yeah it, it was it was great to actually see some of the the finished product, if you like. You know, yeah. we got for example the clubhouse again. We we went in the lodge with the pool table in there, the big six bed. The bedrooms are amazing. They're massive, aren't they? Each of the bedrooms yeah. is huge, yeah. and whether whether you're in there on your own or you're sharing it as a as a twin, it's more than big enough. It, it's absolutely huge, and and you know every all all the sort of things are thought about there. The fridges that are stocked, they're huge. They're, there's cookers. There's basically everything you can possibly want. Barbecue outside. They'll even deliver kind of local butchers meat to you so that you can cook yourself a barbecue. The showers are amazing, aren't they? In the room, the bath- bathrooms yep. are absolutely fantastic. The beds are massive. There's, you know, if, if you're going to stay in the room, do some work. There's a really nice desk to do some work in as well. Literally, the thought of everything in the lodges, and there's also the added benefit of having those huge chipping and putting greens within each cluster, isn't there? Yeah. So yeah. we've basically got six lodges around a huge chipping green with lots of undulations on it. I mean, this thing's massive, isn't it? It's probably the size of you know a, a decent sized green at, at your at your local club really and, and there's one of those with each pod or each cluster of lodges there yeah. um so there's three there so, at the minute um with with all of the lodges and and yeah I, I i i'm just impressed every time i visit matt yeah so i so that time when we stayed in the lodges for the first time because i think we were pretty much one of the first people to go and sample them lodges and at that point the clubhouse was still a shell it was just they just kind of like built the frame for the for the clubhouse, if you like. So I didn't actually get to see the clubhouse in its finished, you know, in its finished form until we went back or until I went back uh, for the Trilby Tour final, which was held there in November. 
Um, looking at 49 minutes into the podcast, it's taken me to mention Trilby Tor Final, by the way. <laughs> I, don't, I know why, because you don't want to watch that put ever again, do you? No, I don't. But do you know what? The chip, oh my goodness. Um, I think that's still downloadable on Sky Sports, by the way, if you uh, want to check it out. <laughs> it's certainly um, it's, yeah, on, it's on the YouTube channel, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's on the YouTube channel as well. So, yeah, look, as as a venue, look, it's a championship golf course, right? It's it's a really, really great place to to go and play golf. You've got so many other golf courses uh, around the area which you can go and try as well. Dundonald is a great base to kind of go and, and take in what Ayrshire has got to offer, um, whether it be a trip down to Turnbury, whether it be uh, a trip into Presswick or, you know, Western Gals or... Um, uh, Kilmarnock, Barassi next door. There's the Troon. There's so much to do. We had lovely fish and chips, didn't we? On the uh, oh, on it was awesome. Yeah, Troon. walking yeah. on the seafront there, the chippy. I mean, it's the law when you go to the seaside, isn't it? But yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it it was fantastic. I mean, yeah, like like you say, it's not just what is at Dundonald. It's a trek to get there. Let's let's not hide that. It's about four and a half hours for me from Leeds. Probably eight hours from you. But yeah, about that. it's worth it when you get there. I mean. It, the views are stunning over towards Aaron. The the weather can be a bit iffy, but generally every time I've been there, it's been really good. Um, but yeah, like you say, the the sort of rich heritage of golf along that coastline is you know, it, close to being unparalleled, really. I, I think, you know, the quality of golf courses that they have in that area, as well as the sort of local towns, like you've said, of Troon and Presswick, which are really nice to go for a meal or, or a couple of beers with your friends in, are, are particularly good as well. But yeah, I mean, it's certainly a place that, we really should be looking for your next golf break. The the clubhouse, like you said, now it's finished with the Canny Crow restaurant in there. I mean, that could stand alone on its own. The quality of the f- food in there is unbelievable. Lots of local Scottish produce. The whiskey room they have there as well, which been lucky enough to do a whiskey tasting with um, Buna Harbin uh, Distillery that have been up there as well with um, with them. And, and they have their own uh, Dundonald whiskey, which you can buy. It's very pricey, but my God, it's good. Um, but, but yeah, there's just so much going on up there and the golf course, as you've said, is absolutely amazing. And one of my favorites that I've, I've played in Scotland, definitely. And it'll be a place I'm definitely going to return to as soon as possible. In fact, I've actually got a trip going up there at the end of March with some of my members and any of you that are listening that want to go, we still have a few spaces as well. So you can, you can, uh, you can send me a message info at golfshake.com if you'd like to come with us. I might, I might take you up on that. Come on, Matt, get yourself down. But but yeah, it'll, it'll be a great trip. So we're playing twice at Dundonald, once at Western Gales and once at Prestwick while we're there as well. So perfect. it should be absolutely fantastic. Plus we've got two, three course meals in the clubhouse and in the whiskey snug as well. So it should should be absolutely amazing for, for the members. But yeah, um, what a trip that'll be for for some of my guys from Howley and anyone else who would like to join us as well. But yeah, that brings us to the end of the podcast this week, Matt. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I, I can't believe we've got through so much stuff in 52 minutes, but we have. Thank you as always. And yeah, keep sort of listening, reading, watching all of our content on the various golfshake.com platforms, whether it's the website, the YouTube channel or here on the podcast. Me and Matt will be back next week. Thank you very much for listening and see you then. See you later.